Hi, this is Edwin Crozier from the Franklin Church of Christ. I want to welcome you and thank you for joining us as we study God's Word and learn what it means for our lives today. Have you ever wondered why God let James die in Acts chapter 12 while allowing Peter to live? While we may not know fully God's reasons, I believe there are some interesting lessons we can learn about our lives today from taking a look at this contrast. Open your Bibles with me from Acts chapter 12 and let's ask the question, why did God let James die? I think we find one of the very most interesting contrasts. Verse 2, verse 1, Now about that time Herod the king laid hands on some who belonged to the church in order to mistreat them, and he had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword. After a time of seeming peace for the church, just merely on a whim, Herod decides he wants to start causing havoc and causing trouble for the Christ church. And he just goes and grabs one of the apostles and he kills him. And then as we keep reading on, we find that he gets another one of the apostles. And the church prays for them, for him. And Herod's going to put him to death after the Feast of Unleavened Bread. But then God does an amazing thing. He releases Peter. There in Acts chapter 12, beginning at verse 7, it says, Behold, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared, and a light shone in the cell. And he struck Peter's side and woke him up, saying, Get up quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, Gird yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and continued to follow. And he did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate that leads into the city, which opened for them by itself. And they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel departed from it. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I know for sure that the Lord has sent forth his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. And as you've looked at this chapter, have you ever asked this question? Why did God let James die? Peter lives. Why not James? They're both apostles. They're both a part of the inner circle of Christ. They're both leaders in the church. The mere fact that James and Peter were the ones that Herod picked out first demonstrate how vocally, how much in the leadership role they were. And yet, one dies and one is set free by the grace of God. Why did God let James die? As we consider this chapter, there are a couple of lessons I think that we can gather just from thinking about this question, from looking at the contrast between James and Peter and what happened with both of them. And I hope we can look at the chapter tonight and, and look at about five lessons that will be beneficial to us, learning about death, learning about Christianity, learning about God and how He works in the world today. Before we do that, though, would you bow with me in prayer, please? Almighty God and Father in heaven, we humble ourselves before You, thankful for Your love and Your mercy. As we sang just moments ago, we need you every hour. And we pray that you will be with us, not only during this hour as we gather to worship you, but throughout every hour of this week. Help us to rely totally upon your strength, realizing that this is not about us, that it's not in us to direct our steps, that it's not in us to, to have the strength to do your will. But Father, you are our strength, as David said over and over again. You are our rock, our fortress, and our deliverer. And we pray that you would deliver us from the evil one. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Father, we pray that you would incline our hearts to your word. 
and that you would help us be your servants throughout this week. Thank you for this time that we can spend with one another, that we can be encouraged to love and honor you, that we can get away from the world and from all its influences, and that we can edify and stimulate one another to love and good deeds. And Father, we are so thankful that you have established this plan, this opportunity and ability for us to get together with one another and strengthen one another. And we pray that you would use this time as a means to edify us as we strive to glorify and honor you. And we pray that you would accept the worship we offer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we consider this contrast between James and Peter, and we ask the question, why did God let James die? I think the very first question, or the very first point that we have to gather from this is nobody lives forever. No doubt in Acts chapter 8, the persecution began as Stephen was stoned. Many of the Christians were scattered. I have no doubt numerous Christians lost their lives throughout that persecution. And yet, even throughout all of that, the apostles remained alive. In fact, even when most of the Christians were spread out from Jerusalem, the apostles not only remained alive, they stayed in Jerusalem and they were able to continue on the work that had begun there. And by the time we get to the end of Acts, there's a huge congregation there again. Stephen, a deacon, is stoned to death. But here is an apostle and nothing has happened to them yet and then all of a sudden, one dies. Can you imagine what the Christians during that time thought and felt as it looked to them like their leaders were going to be picked off one at a time by Herod. What did they learn? Nobody lives forever. There is nobody who is so indispensable to God's plan for His church and for His congregations that they are going to live forever. Ecclesiastes chapter 9. In Ecclesiastes chapter 9, beginning at verse 2, the Bible says, in Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 2, it's the same for all. There is one fate for the righteous and for the wicked, for the good, for the clean, and for the unclean, for the man who offers a sacrifice, and for the one who does not sacrifice. As the good man is, so is the sinner. As the swear is, so is the one who is afraid to swear. This is an evil in all that is done under the sun. There is one fate for all men. Furthermore, the hearts of the sons of men are full of evil and insanity is in their hearts throughout their lives. Afterward, they go to the dead. Nobody lives forever. Everybody dies. Now, as we consider this, there are two lessons that we need to gain just from this point alone. Two things that we need to learn about how a congregation has to work. Since everybody dies, since nobody lives forever, there are two things that each of us must be doing. Number one... We must be equipping ourselves to carry on the work that we see others doing. Elders, deacons, evangelists, Bible class teachers, encouragers, callers, visitors, prayers, teachers, whatever somebody else is doing, we need to be equipping ourselves because one of these days they're going to be gone. Look look here. Look at this room. How many of us are going to be here in 75 years? How many of us are going to be here in 25 years? How many of us are going to be here in 10 years? And we must not so conduct the business of a congregation as to make one or two people indispensable. We need to be equipping ourselves to do the work that we see others doing. But at the same time, 
We we must not be trying to make ourselves indispensable. We need to be equipping others to do the work that we are doing. Elders, deacons, preachers, teachers, visitors, encouragers, callers, prayers. Who are we helping to grow to take our place as we go? Because we're going to. We're going to be gone. I'll tell you what, one of the things that you see in churches all across America over and over again is a church that will get a preacher who comes in and he does an amazing work and he works and he works and that church grows and grows and grows and five or eight years later he says, well, I've done all I can do, it's time for me to move on and he leaves and then it all falls apart. Why? Because he made himself indispensable in that church. He was the one that was doing it. Or to see an eldership that is doing a great work and the church is growing and growing and growing. And one of them dies. One of them moves off to retirement land and it leaves only one. And so now there's no elders and then the church falls apart. Why? Because they weren't equipping someone to take their place. Bible class teachers. All of those things. We need to be equipping ourselves to do the work we see others doing. And we need to be equipping others to do the work we're doing. Because all of us are going to die. Even an apostle. In fact, all the apostles died. And they had to have people trained up to do the work as God wanted it done in their place. The second point I think we learned from this is that we must always pray. I have no doubt that when the church learned that James had been taken captive and was going to be executed, that they prayed for him as well. I have no doubt that they went to God for whatever period of time was allotted there, however long that took. If they had time to pray, they prayed. And yet, what did God say? He said no. And James died. And now Peter has been taken captive. And what did the church do? There in Acts chapter 12 and verse 5, so Peter was kept in the prison, but prayer for him was made fervently by the church of God. In fact, when Peter was released from prison, In verse 12, when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, who was also called Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. Even though God had said no to the first request, they didn't throw up their hands. They didn't quit. They didn't say, oh, I guess God doesn't listen to us. They didn't say, oh, I guess prayer doesn't work. They said God said no. But maybe he'll say yes this time. And they just prayed. They kept on praying. Look in Luke chapter 11. In Luke chapter 11, beginning at verse 5, Jesus said to them in Luke 11 verse 5, Suppose one of you has a friend, and goes to him at midnight and says to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me from a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And from inside he answers and says, Do not bother me. The door has already been shut, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive. And he who seeks, find. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. What does Jesus tell us? He says, persist in prayer. Even if you receive a no the first time, pray. 
And that's what the disciples did in Acts chapter 12. God said no when they prayed for James. But they recognized that just because God says no to one prayer doesn't mean He says no to every prayer. Just because He says no to one prayer doesn't mean He's going to say no to every other prayer that's similar to that one. What did they do? They pray. And in this case, God said yes. And Peter was released. What do we learn from this? We learn that we've got to rely on God, depend on God, ask God. We must always pray. The third lesson. We learn that what happens in this life is not necessarily an indication of God's approval or disapproval. We might be tempted as we look at James and Peter to say, well, obviously James had done something wrong and Peter had done something right. How often in our own lives do we ask ourselves the question, what did I do to deserve this? Things are happening in our lives, whether good or bad, and we think it has something to do with us, as though we have done something that has specifically caused this. Now, no doubt, there are things that happen in our lives like that, but, but not everything. Here were James and Peter. They were both apostles. They were both faithful to the Lord. They were both a part of the inner circle of Jesus Christ. They were both leaders in the church. They were both workers for the cause of Christ. This was not demonstrating that James had done something wrong and now God was not pleased with him and Peter was pleased with him. What happened to them in this life did not necessarily indicate God's approval or disapproval. You remember what Matthew chapter 5, verse 44 and 45 says? Matthew chapter 5, verse 44 and 45 says, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For He causes His Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. God causes the rain to fall on the evil and the good, the sun to rise on the bad and the godly. These blessings come on everybody. And bad things happen to everybody. When the hurricane went through Florida or when it went through New Orleans or it went through Beaumont, the hurricane didn't stop to ask, which of you are Christians? And even if we might say that in general that was God's judgment on our wicked society and it might in fact have been, it didn't necessarily mean that every individual who was hit by it was being told that they were wrong with God. I think this is important for us to understand because I tell you, I, I love to read. I read a lot of books. I read a lot of spiritual books. And so often, one of the arguments that's posed for somebody to demonstrate, I know I'm right. When, they, when they're writing their book and they're explaining that this is the way it works, they say, I know I'm right. Why do I know I'm right? Because look at how much God has blessed me. Look at all the good things that have happened to me. Uh, the Prayer of Jabez by Bruce Wilkinson. That's really one of the things he says, oh, this is it. You pray this prayer and it works. And the reason I know it works is because look at all these people and look at all the blessings they received. I uh, read a book by Charles Stanley where he talked about prayer. And here's a person that doesn't teach the truth about God's plan of salvation, but he knows he's right with God. Why? Because there was one time when he and his wife, their air conditioner went out and they prayed a prayer that they would receive an air conditioner and within a week... A friend called and said, hey, do you know, we've got this air conditioner, this window unit that we're not going to use anymore. We're getting central heating and air. And do you know anybody who needs it? And now have judged themselves to be right with God because of some blessing that came along. Does that then mean if the blessing doesn't come along that we're not right with God? 
That's just not the way it works. Look at what happened with James and Peter. James was right with God. Peter was right with God. But two extremely opposite things happened to them. What we need to recognize is that what happens in this life does not necessarily indicate our relationship with God. And we need to understand that to be the case. The fourth lesson we learned from this is we've got to learn the lesson to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Now, I know on the surface that may sound odd. Why did I get that from this chapter? I'll tell you how I got it from this chapter. Because as I got to thinking about Peter and James, I couldn't help but think about Andrew and John. Both Peter and James had brothers who were also apostles. Both Peter and James had brothers who were part of that church in Jerusalem and leaders of that church. But when all was said and done, John was weeping over the loss of his brother, and Andrew was rejoicing over the deliverance of his. And both of these men, despite the opposite outcomes for what they endured, still had to live by the teaching of Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12 and verse 15, where the Scripture says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. How hard it is to rejoice with those who rejoice when we have cause for weeping. John had cause for weeping and there was not a thing wrong in the world with him weeping over the death of his brother. Not a thing wrong with that. Yet when he looked to Peter and Andrew, because of his own weeping, he was not allowed to be jealous or envious. He was not allowed to be resentful and bitter. He was to look at their good blessing and rejoice with them. Are we able to do that? When we have cause for weeping, are we able to look at those who have cause for rejoicing and rejoice with them? Or do we get mad at them or at God because they got something that we wanted? John had to be able to rejoice with Peter and Andrew. But at the same time, Peter and Andrew had to be able to weep with John. I think perhaps it is equally difficult for those who have been blessed in some way to look at others who haven't. And be able to just weep with them. Sometimes we feel guilty because of the blessings that God has given us. And let's face it, God has blessed each of us differently. In order to accomplish what He wants us to accomplish, He has done different things for different ones of us. Some of us have have better paying jobs than others. Some of us live in nicer houses than others. Some of us have bigger, stronger families than others. Some of us have parents that are Christians and some of us don't. Some of us have good health. Some of us haven't. And it's a struggle, I think, sometimes for those who realize they've received the blessing from God to look at somebody else who hasn't received that same blessing. And we begin to feel guilty. And then we start backing off. And instead of being able to be there to weep with them and lift them up and hold them up, we're backing off because we feel bad. If we received the blessing, we didn't receive it in order to feel guilty about it. God gave us the blessing in order to use to glorify Him and to help His children. And if we have cause to rejoice in our lives, we must still learn to be able to weep with those who have cause to weep. 
Just like Peter and Andrew, even though rejoicing over Peter's deliverance, had to know how to weep with John at the loss of his brother James. And finally, we've got to learn to serve God when and where we can. I can almost imagine James getting there to Abraham's bosom, the paradise of God, and coming to Jesus and saying, why did, why did you let me die? And why did you let him live? And in that conversation, I can imagine Jesus saying the exact same thing to James that he had said to Peter in John chapter 21. In John chapter 21 and verse 21, Peter, seeing John, said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? And in verse 22, Jesus said to him, If I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. James' job was to serve God here on the earth, to spread His gospel, to teach others, to lift up and hold up the doctrine of truth, to lead within the church there in Jerusalem, to act as an apostle. And then when, when Jesus took him home, that was it for him. And it was not his job to wonder, but what about that man? And how often do we spend our time wondering about that man? What about him? What about her? What are they supposed to be doing? Instead of spending so much of our time worrying about everybody else, the first place we need to be concerned is what about us? With the blessings God has given me, with the talents and the resources and the opportunities, what about me? How are we supposed to serve God? We serve Him whenever and wherever we can without reference to what everybody else is doing. And if God has blessed somebody else with a different talent and a different ability and different resources and opportunities, they'll serve God and answer to Him as well. And our duty is not to get caught up in the jealousy or arrogance of comparing one another to each other, but just simply to do what we can, when we can, and how we can. You know, I do have to tell you, though, that the reason why I say I can almost imagine this conversation taking place between James and Jesus is because actually I think when James got there to the paradise of God, I really think that the, the last question he had was, why did you let me die? In fact, I think James probably said, man, why did you do that to Peter, Lord? Couldn't he have come on home too? I tell you, sometimes I think we look to the death of Christians as just this awful thing. And it's not. It's really not. I mean, for Christians to get to go on home and be with the Lord, how amazing is that? But while we're here, our job is to do what it said in John 21, verse 21 and 22. You know, whatever I decide to do with that person over there, what is that to you? Do what I ask of you. And that's the lesson we learned from Peter and James. Now, is this story in Acts chapter 12 here in order to teach us these lessons? I don't know. Maybe it's there for some other reason, but these are just lessons that we just... a happy byproduct of what goes on here in Acts chapter 12. Nevertheless, I think these lessons are here. When we take a look at Peter and James and what God did, allowing James to die, 
and freeing Peter, we learn these lessons. Nobody lives forever. We must always pray. What happens in this life is not necessarily an indicator of our relationship with God. We need to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep, and we need to serve God when, where, and how we can. That's what I learned from Peter and James. I hope that lesson was beneficial to you. If you have any questions about what the Bible says, about James, Peter, about how we can serve God today, whatever the question, please give us a call at 615-794-2359, or you may contact us through our website, www.franklinchurchofchrist.com. Perhaps somebody gave this lesson to you on CD or audio tape. If that's the case, may I encourage you to go to that website again. It's franklinchurchofchrist.com. We have numerous lessons in both audio and outline format. You're free to download them and use them in any way you believe will honor and glorify God. May God richly bless you as you draw closer to Him. More importantly, may you richly bless God.